Sponsored by Rabbi Shlemi and Mirla Greenwald. This is a sicha from Lakota Siches, Chelik Yudbez, Parshas Vayikra, Sicha Bez. And the topic of the sicha is that in this week's parsha we learn about Karbonus. And there are four parts in the sicha. The Rebbe will, number one, present the end of Mesechas Menachas. Number two, ask ten questions on the Siyam. And it includes one question on the Mishnah one question on the first piece of the Gemara, and then eight questions on the Brisa that follows the first piece of the Gemara. Number three, present a key to answering some of these questions. And number four, answer the ten questions. The last Mishnah in Masechus Menachas teaches, and this is the whole Mishnah, the Mishnah says, It says by the carbon oila of a behemah, and by the carbon oil of an oif, it says, and by the carbon mincha, which is brought from flour, it says, it's to tell you, whether a person gives a lot or whether a person gives a little, so long as a person has kavanal shamayim, that's what matters the most, and then the carbon is perfect. The simple meaning of the Mishnah is that since it says by each of the types of carbonus, even though they're not the same at all, because we have one that's a behemoth and one that's just an oif and one that's just flour, so this indicates that if the mamet is machavin libelishamayim, if the person who gave less has kavana lishamayim, then his muat is considered like the maruba of his fellow, and his small amount is considered like the great amount that his fellow brought. And we have to understand over here, the wording of the Mishnah indicates that it's also a Chiddush, it's also something novel, that the Marba, that the person who gives a lot, is like the Mamet, like the person who gives a little. Because if the whole point of the Mishnah is to tell us that the person who gives a little is like the person who gives a lot, then it would say that even the person who gives a little is good as long as he's mechavan libel shemaim. But that's not what it says. It says, Echad HaMarba, Ve'echad HaMamet, whether a person gives a lot, and the implication is, even though it's lacking, or whether a person gives a little, even though it's lacking, it doesn't matter, and they're all good enough and equally good as long as they have the right kavana. And the question is, why do we need a special teaching to tell us that the person who gives a lot is as good as the person who gives a little? It would seem obvious that he's as good as the person who gives a little, and he's doing it perfectly. The Gemara begins with the following teaching. Omar Rabbi Zaira, Rabbi Zaira said, Micro, what's the Pasuk that teaches this to us? The Pasuk is, nasa evid, The sleep of the person who serves Hashem with Karbanas is sweet and he has nothing to fear. Whether you brought a little or if you brought a lot, he will eat, meaning he will receive his reward. So we see it doesn't matter if it's a little or a lot. Rav Adabar Ava said, the Pasuk is, or the source for this is from here. When there is a lot of Teva, a lot of Karbanas, there is a lot of people eating because more kahanim get to eat. But what benefit is there to the owners? The owners, for them, it's all the same. Whether it's a big carbon and there's a lot to eat, or it's a small carbon and there's a little bit to eat. So we see that the size of the carbon doesn't make a difference for the owners who brought the carbon. And the question is, what's the question and answers over here of Rabbi Zera and Ravada Barava? The Mishnah already teaches this. The Mishnah gives us the source for this teaching because it says, Each of them. And if for whatever reason the proof in the Mishnah isn't enough, 
then why doesn't the Mishnah bring these proofs of Rabbi Zeira and of Adar Barava? So Mimanavshach. If the proofs in the Mishnah are good, so what's the question and answers of Rabbi Zeira and Rav Adar Barava? And if the proof in the Mishnah is not good enough, and therefore Rabbi Zeira and Rav Adar Barava bring other psukim, so why didn't the Mishnah bring those psukim? The Gemara then moves on to present the Brisa, and with this the Masechta pretty much comes to an end. And the Gemara says, Tanya, it's taught in a Brisa. Omar, Rabbi Shimon ben Azai, Rabbi Shimon ben Azai said, there are three teachings in the Brisa. The first teaching is, Come and see what it says in the Parshas Karbonus. That it doesn't say by the Karbonus, Not Shem Kel and not Shem Alikim. Elo Hashem. Rather, the only name that it says is Shem Hashem, Shem Yudke Vavke. And the reason is, Not to give an opening for the mouth of a Baldin to argue. And Rashi says, what does this mean? For those who say there are many gods, and they're going to say, the matter proves itself that there are many gods. That this one whose name is so-and-so, let's say, he commanded him to bring a mincha. And this one whose name is so-and-so, let's say, he commanded that we should bring to him parim. And this one commanded Elam. Therefore, it says by all of them, it says the same shame, shame Yudkevavke. The second teaching is, it says by the big shore, and by the small oif, it says, and by the mincha that's brought from flour, it says, to tell you, whether a person gives a lot or whether a person gives a little, as long as the person is and the third teaching that Bryce is, and maybe you will say, lest you say that Hashem needs to eat. Talmud Lamer, the Pasuk tells us, Im erav If I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. Because the world and everything in it is mine. I'm going to bring other Pesukim that bring out the same point. It says, For mine is every beast of the forest and the cattle of a thousand mountains. I know every bird of the mountains and what moves upon my fields is with me. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? And the Brisa concludes, bringing out this point, I did not tell you, Hashem says, to bring Karbonis in order that you should say, I will do what He wants, I'll do what Hashem wants, and then He'll do what I want. Says Hashem, You are not bringing Karbonis for my satisfaction. Rather, you are bringing Karbonis for your satisfaction. Like it says in the Pasuk, Bring Karbonis for your satisfaction. It's for you and not for Hashem. And there are eight questions in this Brisa. So that means with the first question on the mission, on the second question on the Gemara, we'll have a total of 10 questions. And these eight questions, one is a general question on the Brisa. There are two questions on the first teaching, two questions on the second teaching, and three questions on the third teaching. So we'll now start with the first question, which is a general question on the Brisa. And this is the third question in the Sikha. The question is, what's the connection between these three teachings that are all brought together in this one Brisa? 
and especially since the second and third teachings begin with a vav, meaning that it's a continuation to the previous teaching. The second teaching starts by saying vinemar, and the third teaching starts by saying vishema. So what's the connection between these three teachings? The first question on the first teaching in the Brisa is that many mitzvahs use other names of Hashem. So how does it help that by Karbonus, only one name of Hashem is used, the name of Yudke Vavke, if by other mitzvahs we do find that the name of Kale and Elakim and also Yudke Vavke are used. So it still leaves a Pischin Peh Labaldin Lachlik. The second question on the first teaching of the Brisa is, how can one who says that there are many Rishuyas be called a Baldin? A Baldin means somebody that we need to address. He has a claim and we need to respond to him. How can we say that somebody who claims that there are many Rishuyas, he's categorized as a Baldin? Such a person is simply a Kaifer. He's a denier. The first question on the second teaching in the Brisa is that the second teaching seems to be the very same teaching as the teaching in our Mishnah. So what new thing is he teaching us over here? It seems to be saying exactly what the Mishnah is saying, that it says, by the Shur and the Oif and the Mincha. To tell us that the only thing that matters is That's exactly what the Mishnah says. The second question on the second teaching in the Brisa is that if so, what we just said in the first question, that the Brisa seems to be saying the very same thing as the Mishnah, so why is the wording different than the Mishnah? And the Mishnah talks about Eilas Behema and Eilas Oif and the Mincha. And the Brisa talks about Shoyer Hagas and the Oif Hadak. Why does it change the wording if it's essentially teaching the same thing as the Mishnah? The first question on the third teaching of the Brisa is, how can anyone think that Hashem needs to eat to the extent that Rab Shimon ben Azai needs to negate it, and he has to negate it from a number of Psukim? How can anyone even think such a thing that it's necessary to negate it? The second question on the third teaching in the Brisa is that if it indeed needs to be negated that Hashem needs to eat a Karbonus, then it should be done at the start of teaching about Karbonus. Before we learn about Karbonus, we should be taught that the Karbonus are not food that Hashem needs to eat. So it should be at the start of the teaching about Karbonus, which is the beginning of Mesech Zvachim, and not at the end of Mesech Manachas which is a Masechta later. It starts with Zvachim, Seder Kachim, then it moves on to Manachas. It should have been taught at the beginning of Masechta Zvachim and not over here at the end of Masechta Manachas. And the third question on the third teaching in the Brisa is, in negating eating, Rabbi Shimon ben doesn't say that eating doesn't apply to Hashem, but rather he says, Im, Im erav, if I am hungry, I won't tell it to you. Meaning, it sounds like the concept of hunger does exist by Hashem, and it's just that he's not going to ask us for it, he'll find some other way of doing it. So he doesn't even negate the idea that Hashem needs to eat, it's just that he won't ask us to feed him. And how do we understand that? Here we're going to present the key to the Sikha, that based on this we'll be able to answer many of our questions. So the explanation of all of this is as follows. The difference between a marbe and mamet by Karbanus is actually in two regards. There is both from the perspective of the person, when it comes to the of the obligation of the person. So the question is, did he bring it in the best possible way, or was he mamet? Did he bring it in, not, in, a, in a way that's not the best? He was mamet, he brought less than the best. And then, there's also from Hashem, and the question is, was it fully accepted, or was it not fully accepted? 
And like we find in Karbanis that at times it says that there's keeper of a lake keeper, that something forgave for the person and didn't forgive him, meaning that the acceptance is not necessarily complete and there's different degrees in how a carbon is possibly accepted. And so this is the difference between the Mishnah and the Gemara. The Mishnah talks about the main thing of the carbon, which is how it's accepted by Hashem. And therefore, the proof is from what it says, by each of the three carbonists. That as long as the person is mechaven then all of them are all of them are accepted by Hashem fully and equally. And since in the, car- in the carbon, there also has to be the carbon of the person, there's also that aspect, even when we say the main thing is its acceptance by Hashem, there's also the aspect of the person bringing a carbon. Like we know that the person is bringing his money, and also there's the famous Ramban, that when a person brings a carbon, he has to think that domai tachas domai, nefesh tachas nefesh, that it's the animal's blood and the animal's nefesh instead of his own. So there's also the aspect of the person bringing the carbon. And in this regard, we find that specifically by a mincha, it says nefesh. And Rashi brings this as well, on the Pasuk, that specifically by the carbon Mincha, we find that it says the word Nefesh, that the person is bringing his Nefesh. And so that's the explanation for why the Mishnah says, Echad HaMarbe Ve'echad HaMamet, that there's also Chiddush in the Marbe, because since in the carbon there's also the bringing of the carbon of the person, not just the acceptance from Hashem, even if we focus mainly on the acceptance of Hashem, there's also the carbon of the person. And in that regard, we find an advantage not only the obvious one in the marba, the one who brings a a shur, but also in the mamet, the one who brings a mincha, that over there it says nefesh. So therefore the Mishnah says, Echad ha-marbe ve-echad ha-mamet. There's a chiddush both that the marba is like the mamet and the mamet is like the marba because each of them has an advantage. But the main thing is that they have this advantage as long as the person is mechav and libel So this is the explanation of the Mishnah, that the Mishnah is talking about and mainly focusing on the acceptance of the carbon by Hashem. And that's why it brings the proof from the fact that the words Ishirech Nechayach are said by each of their karbonas. And that indicates and teaches us that all of them are accepted fully and equally as long as the person is Mechavan Libela Shemayim. Now, when it comes to the Gemara, the Gemara adds an additional point. And the Gemara asks Micra to say what's not yet known. What's the Pasuk for what's not yet known? Which is that even from the person's Chayva, there's also no difference between a marba and a mamet. It makes no difference also from the person, the person's obligation, whether he's a marba and he brings a shur, or whether he's a mamet and he brings an oif or a karba mincha. And the Gemara takes it for granted that this is the case, that it's the same. And the Gemara just immediately asks, Micro, what's the source? The reason the Gemara takes it for granted that they're certainly the same, since the main aspect of a carbon from a person is obviously that he should have the right kavana. And the Gemara is just asking, what's the psukim, what are the psukim, or what's the pasuk that teaches this to us? And the proofs are about the person, like it says, ha'evid. It says, mesuka shnas ha'evid. The ha'evid, the one who does the carbon, his sleep is sweet. And also uses the words, umay yisrin le what benefit is there to the person? Does it matter whether it's a big carbon or a small carbon? It doesn't matter, it's all the same because the main thing is the kavana that the person has.
This explains another thing to us. So based on this, we could see the connection between the beginning and the end of the Masechta. In the beginning of the Masechta, it teaches, all Menachas that are brought from flour, that the Kaimitz, the fistful that was taken from them, was taken not with the right intention. So, it doesn't count for the owners to fulfill their obligation. So we see over there both aspects. We're talking about over there the acceptance of the carbon, that the carbon is kosher, and we also see over there the chayva of the person. It's saying that shalai alu labaylam l'shem chayva. So we see the two aspects of the carbon, like we're saying here, there is the acceptance by Hashem, and there's the giving of the carbon from the person. And our mesechta, the mesechta concludes that even though there are two aspects, what they share is that both in regards to Hashem accepting it, and in regards to the person giving it, what matters for both is whether it's a marbet, and whether it's a mamet, what matters is sheyichavin libel shemayim. That's what matters both for Hashem accepting it, and for the person giving it. And in continuation to this, it's brought in the b'risa, the teaching of Rabbi Shimon ben Azay, his first teaching, that b'yirei come and see about the parashas of Karbonis, el Hashem. His chiddush over here is that even though there are many different types of karbonis, some are connected to being a kapara, for doing an avera, which is related to the name Elikim, and others are connected to thanking Hashem, like a toida, and being happy, like shlomim, related to the name kale. Nevertheless, we only find the name Hashem, only the shame Yudkei Vavkei. And the reason is, this is referring to someone who would say that even though there is only one Hashem, of course there is only one Hashem, and not Shalom, that there is more than one God, but there are in Hashem many attributes, and they are separate from one another. So there's one God, but within that God, there are many different attributes, and therefore the name Hashem is used. Since that's the Shema Hashem, the Yudke Vavke, that's the Shema Mafeirash, it's the Shema Etzem, it's the Shema Miyuchad, and it teaches us that whenever we find different names for Hashem, it's not because God forbid there are many attributes within Him, and there is division within Hashem, in His attributes, like there are by a person, there's the person, one person, but within Him there's division that there are different attributes, but rather it's only because it's how it appears to us, but not God forbid what's in Him, but rather Hashem is completely and totally and entirely one. And the reason this is taught specifically by Karbonus is because the whole idea of Karbonus is to affect the change by Hashem. And so that's why it's a much more sensitive place, it's a much more sensitive area where a person may think that within Hashem there are different attributes. So that's the first teaching of the Brisa of Rabbi Shimon ben Azai. Based on this explanation of the first teaching in the Brisa, we can understand the connection between the first and second teachings in the Brisa. Once we know from the first teaching that there's no division above by Hashem, that there's not Kale and Elikim, different parts within Hashem, but rather it's all completely and totally one. So the Brisa teaches us that there's also no division by the person between a person who is a marbe and a person that is a mamet. And this second point of the Brisa, that there's no difference by the person between a marbe and a mamet, this is similar to the discussion in the Gemara that says that also from the person's perspective, not just what the Mishnah says from Hashem's perspective, it's always but also from the person's perspective, the Oivid, the Ba'alel, 
There is no difference between a marba and a mamet. So that's what the Bryce is saying. The Bryce, when it says there's no difference between a marba and a mamet, it's talking about from the person's perspective, from the person's cheva. So just like that's what the Gemara talks about, and so too in the Brisa, which the idea of a Brisa is to elaborate on the Mishnah. The job of the Brisa, what a Brisa does is it elaborates on what's written in the Mishnah or what's hinted to in the Mishnah. And we said that this is sort of hinted to in the Mishnah. The Gemara takes for granted that even though the Mishnah only talks about how there's no difference to Hashem from the perspective of Hashem accepting it, the Gemara takes for granted that for sure the same is true, there's no difference in the person's chayvah. As long as he's machav and libel So it's sort of hinted to in the Mishnah. So the Brisa elaborates on it. And the Brisa talks about, and in the Brisa, the emphasis is on the person's chayva, not that Hashem accepts it. And this answers our question that why in the Mishnah does it say, Oilas Behema, Oilas Oif, and the Brisa it says, Sher Hagas and Sher Hadak, because the Mishnah is talking about how it's accepted by Hashem, and therefore it talks about an Oila, since a carbon Oila goes up completely to Hashem. And the difference is the amounts that are going up to Hashem. Is it a behema? Is it an oif? Or is it just a mincha where it's just flour? And even there, only one kaim, it's one fistful goes up. Whereas the b'risa is talking about the person and what he's doing. And therefore the focus is on what the person is giving. Which that relates to the size of the animal. Is it a sher hagas or is it an oif adak? So the mission is talking about what Hashem is receiving. The oila, what's being given up to Hashem, what's being totally burnt. And the Brisa is talking about what the person is giving, and that's why it talks about the Sher Hagas and the Ifadak. We'll just stop over here for a moment and point out how we answer the first seven questions in the Sikha, because we can't see them here in front of us at this point in the presentation. So the first question was, what is the Chiddush of the Marbe? That he says, Echad Marbe Echad Mamet. Even a person who gives a lot, it doesn't matter as long as he's Machavin. What's even? A lot is the best. So we explained, because obviously by Karbanas, what also matters is the person and what he's doing. And we see that the word nefesh is used specifically by the mincha, not by the par and not by the oif. The second question was that the Mishnah, Mishnah already teaches the source. So why does the Gemara ask, Maikra? And we explained that the Gemara is saying, Maikra, that also from the person's chayva, there, it doesn't matter what he gives as long as he's mechav and libel the third question was, what's the connection between the three teachings in the Brisa? So that we already connected the first and second teaching, and very soon in the Sikha, we'll see the connection to the third teaching as well. So that question is not yet fully answered. The fourth question was that many mitzvahs use other names of Hashem. So how does it help? Then we explained how it's especially needed by Karbanis because over there there's an there's a emphasis on the possibility of a person making a mistake. The fifth question was how can one say, how can, how can one who says there are many Rishuyas be called a Baldin? He's a Kaifer. And we explained, we're not saying the person, God forbid, is saying there are many gods, Chas Shalom, But rather, there are many attributes within one God. The sixth question was that the second teaching in the Brisa seems to be the very same teaching in the Mishnah as the teaching in the Mishnah. We explained that it's not because the Brisa is talking about from the person's Chayva. And the seventh question was that if indeed they are the same, then the wording, why is the wording different in the Brisa than the Mishnah? And we explained that they're not the same, and that's why the wording is different. Since the teachings are different, the wording is different. The Brisa is talking about the person, and therefore talks about what the person is bringing. Is he bringing a Shur Hagas, or is he bringing an Oif Hadak? Now we're going to move on to the final part of the Sikha, 
and we're going to explain more this second point in the Brisa, where it talks about the chayv of the person being the same as long as he's mechav and libel So even though we just said that the Brisa is focusing on the chayv of the person, however, the Brisa isn't focusing on how the carbon is the same by the person and his chayv in order to add another detail about carbonus. That besides what it says in the Mishnah, that in being accepted by Hashem, it's all the same. Also from the person's chayv, it's all the same as long as he's mechav and libel That's not just what the Brisa is saying. But rather, because according to the opinion of Rabbi Shimon ben Azai in the Brisa, this is the explanation of the Mishnah. What do we mean? Meaning that even though there are two aspects in Karbanas, the Karbanas being accepted by Hashem and the person fulfilling his chayva, the truth is that even the reach nechayach by Hashem, its purpose, why is it even there? Is for the person who gets the kapara and benefit. It's all really about the person. So the Bryce is, is saying that the main thing of the carbon, even the fact that it's accepted by Hashem, is all about the benefit that it brings to the person. And that's why the Bryce brings a proof from Ishe Reach Nechayach, which talks about Hashem accepting the carbon. And not the Psukim brought in the Gemara. Because we explained earlier that the Bryce is talking about Hashem accepting the carbon. And that's why the proof is that by all carbonates it says, They're all in to Hashem. Regardless of whether it's a par or an oif or a mincha. And the Gemara is talking about the person's chayva. And therefore the Psukim are about the oivid, the person doing the avayda, or the ba'ala, the owners of the carbon. And so according to that, if the Bryce is talking about the person's chayva, and therefore talks about the animal the person is giving, is it a sher hagas, or is it a oif hadak? So it should have brought the proofs that are brought in the Gemara that talk about the person. But but we see that the Bryce doesn't do this. It brings the Psukim that talk about Hashem accepting the karbanis. Because if it's accepted by Hashem in the same way, that's because it's all the same by the person. Meaning, according to the Brisa, the reason why all the Karbanas are accepted the same way by Hashem is because they're all the same by the person. And Hashem accepting the Karbanas, really all of that revolves around the person. So the Brisa is not just telling us another detail about Karbanas, which is the person's Cheva, but rather the Gemara is telling us that that is really the central part of everything about the carbon. Even them being accepted by Hashem equally, the reason they're being accepted by Hashem is for the benefit of the person. And so therefore, since by the person, it's all the same for his Cheva, no matter how what he brings, as long as he's Mechav and Libel so then they'll all be equally accepted by Hashem, regardless of what Hashem receives, and they'll all be a Ishirech as long as the person is Machav and Libel Now we're going to move on to explain the third teaching. And while explaining it, we're going to answer the three questions on the third teaching and also complete the answer to the third question about what's the connection between all three teachings. So we're going to see over here the connection between the second and third teaching. And this, this idea that we just said, that everything in Karbanas, even the fact that Hashem accepts all of them equally, even that is all because, and it's all about the person, it's all for the person and for the benefit of the person and for the person's chayva. So this is the connection to the third teaching in the Brisa. This teaching in the Brisa, the third one, isn't negating physical eating by Hashem, which is no need to do, like we said, but rather that even though there is eating above by Hashem, as we'll explain, it's not that he needs it, but rather it's all for the person. So same thing by the Karbanis that we said in the second teaching. The Bryce is not just telling us that there's also the person's chayva, but rather it's telling us that even this, that Hashem is accepting it, and He's accepting all of them equally, all of it is really for the person. It's nothing to do with Hashem's needs. Now what is this eating by Hashem? 
So in order to understand that, we're going to bring a teaching from the Safri. It says in Safri regarding the reason the Torah teaches Parsha Satomid after the request of Moshe of Hashem that Yifkat Hashem Gaimir Isha Le'eda Hashem Yetzel Lufneim Vashem Yovel Lufneim. Moshe was requesting by Hashem that after he passes away, there should be a person appointed over to over the Yidden that the Yidden should have a leader. So the Safri says that it's like a king whose queen was passing away and she was instructing the king to care for her sons. And he, the king, said to her, before you instruct me about them, before that, instruct them about me, that they shouldn't rebel against me. And so it's understood that there's a connection between Karbanis and the request of Moshe, that Yifkad Hashem. There's obviously a connection between the Karbanis and Moshe's request, since it fulfills his request. That's what Hashem's response was. So let's understand what was the request of Moshe. The request of Moshe is simply that since the Yidden were going to enter the land, there's a need for a leader to conquer the land and also to guide them afterwards. And they shouldn't be like sheep without a shepherd. And so we must say that the response of Hashem is related to this. That Hashem is saying, you're worried about them having a leader before you instruct me about them, instruct them about me that I should be their leader, that I should have the leadership role. That I should be be there in a way that the world is not seen as a sheep without a shepherd, as something operating on its own. And so we must say that the response of Hashem is related to this, and that bringing karbanas shows us that the world doesn't run on its own, but rather that there is a leader to the world. And that's why the karbanas are called food and eating, because Rizal tell us that the nefesh fills up the guf. And so to Hashem fills up the world that just like through eating, it causes that the nefesh should properly fill and connect to the person's guf. When a person eats, it brings the nefesh into the guf and it connects the nefesh into the guf. And so to the way Hashem fills and connects to the world that is through His food, which are the karbanas. So when we say that Hashem has eating, it means the karbanas. So he says, don't think that I, even though there are karbanas, and they are the food of Hashem, they make Hashem come into the world. That's the power of a carbon. It makes Hashem come into the world, that the world shouldn't be like a something which is operating on its own. But rather that there is an in, Eberster, in that God, Hashem, is running the world. That's what karbanas imp- impact and affect. And this is what Rabbi Shem ben Azay is saying in continuation to his point, that everything about karbanas is for the benefit of the person he continues and says, that since Hashem desires a Hashem desires that this world should be a dwelling place for him. So this means that Hashem should fill up and connect to the world. It comes out that Hashem requires to eat. So he tells us that Hashem doesn't need us for this. Everything in the world, the world and everything in it is Hashem. Hashem can do it without us. He can find another way of doing it. He, hap- he did choose for it to be through us, but he doesn't need it. So that's what Rabbi Shimon Ben-Azai is saying over here. In continuation to his point that everything about Karbanas is for the benefit of the person, you're going to say, but maybe it's for Hashem, because he has he wants a dear B'dachtenim, and the way that's accomplished is through Karbanas. So he tells us that Hashem doesn't need us for that. There's other ways for it to be there. And that's why he concludes... That it's all about the person. It's not for Hashem's satisfaction. It's for the person's satisfaction. The takeaway over here is that however, even though Hashem has a choice of Tevul Maloya, He doesn't need 
the Karbonis to accomplish Adir B'tachtoinim, nevertheless, he commanded Yidin that they should offer Karbini Lachmi, that we should bring Karbonis. And even though before the command, he says, Im erav If I'm hungry, I won't tell you, meaning that he's not forced, he doesn't need us. Nevertheless, after Hashem gave the command, then it already becomes a situation of that Hashem desires and Hashem yearns for the Avoida of Yidin. And Hashem commands through Moshe. Like we see that the Karbanis were commanded through Moshe. Hashem told them the Karbanis Tamid. He said, tell that to the Yidin. So Hashem commands through Moshe that Yidin should do Torah Mitzvah, which in general, that's what Karbanis are. Like we said, the idea of Karbanis is to bring Hashem into the world, to make from all matters in the world a carbon for Hashem, which makes the world a dira for Hashem. And so it is through our Aveda that we give Hashem the dira b'tachtainim, and Hashem desires and yearns for our Aveda, even though He's not forced in it, but He established that it should be that way. And once it's that way, Hashem does yearn for the Aveda of a Yid.